This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 4280 for Friday, the 27th of December, 2024. Today's show is entitled Isaac Asimov, The Foundation. It is part of the series Science Fiction and Fantasy. It is hosted by Avukad and is about 18 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is a look at Isaac Asimov and the writing of the Foundation series. Hello, this is Ahuka, welcoming you to Hacker Public Radio on another exciting episode in our series on science fiction and fantasy. And what I want to take a look at today is uh, one of the Golden Age authors who has become very famous, a fellow by the name of Isaac Asimov. And specifically, what I want to look at in this is his Foundation series. But first, a little background. Um, when you look back at the Golden Age, there are three preeminent authors, and they were referred to, even then, as the Big Three, and continue to be referred to as the Big Three. And they are Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov, and Robert A. Heinlein. I will want to discuss each of them, but in this article, um, you know, I'm going to start off with Asimov. Isaac Asimov, born 1920, died 1992. He was born in Russia, but he and his parents emigrated to the United States when he was three and settled in Brooklyn, New York. He was a precocious child who taught himself to read at the age of five. His parents owned a succession of candy stores that also sold newspapers and magazines, including including the pulp magazines that got him hooked on science fiction. He attended Columbia University, where he got his B.A. in 1939 and his M.A. in 1941 in chemistry. He then joined Robert A. Heinlein and L. Sprague de Camp, working at the Philadelphia Navy Yard during World War II. After the war, he got his Ph.D. in chemistry, again at Columbia, and then became an assistant professor of biochemistry at Boston University. Now, Asimov got involved with a fan group called the Futurians in 1938. Now, that's the same group that Frederick Pohl was a member of, so you can learn a lot about it from Frederick Pohl's book, The Way the Future Was, and you can get Asimov's take again uh, in his uh, autobiography book in memory yet green um, so that was 1938 and that same year he took advantage of his location in brooklyn part of new york to take the subway downtown to the offices of astounding science fiction now that was later renamed to analog but that was like 1951 i believe um so he got to the office and dropped off a story with the editor, John W. Campbell, who we have talked about last time. He got it back with a detailed rejection letter. Um, and that started a practice of weekly meetings with Campbell. By the end of the month, he had a second story written, and which Campbell also rejected. And as Asimov said, in the nicest possible letter you could imagine, and encouraged him to keep writing. 
His third story, called Marooned Off Vesta, was sold to Amazing Stories. Now, Amazing Stories was the magazine founded by Hugo Gernsback, and we've talked about that. Um, then, uh, a few stories later, he sold one to Campbell, a story called Trends, and that appeared in the July 1939 issue of Astounding. Now, if you get a chance to look that up, maybe you can find it in a library somewhere, microfilm or what have you. Uh, that People call that July 39 issue the start of the Golden Age because of all of the great writers that were in there. Um, but we're, we're talking about Asimov now. Now, he continued to meet regularly with Campbell. And in 1941, his story, Nightfall, was published. Now, this story was voted the best science fiction story of all time by the Science Fiction Writers of America in 1968. Not bad. Then one day, he was due for a meeting with Campbell, but he did not have a story idea to pitch. He had, however, been reading Edward Gibbon's The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, and that provided a spark. What would happen if a galactic empire went into a decline and fall? And thus was born the foundation. Now, at this point, Asimov really was just a writer of short fiction. So this began as a series of short stories that were, of course, published by Campbell in Astounding. They were enthusiastically received by science fiction fans. And then, starting in 1951, Gnome Press started to collect them in book form. And that ended up being three volumes that became known as the Foundation Trilogy. And Asimov wrote a little additional material to help tie stuff together. Now, the premise, as Asimov explained it, is that a mathematician named Harry Selden had developed a science called psychohistory. Asimov always explained this as being analogous to the kinetic theory of gases. Uh, in other words, if you're looking at a single gas molecule, you cannot possibly predict how it will move. But with a sufficiently large collection of gas molecules, you can apply statistical rules that tell you how the entire collection of molecules will behave. Selden's psychohistory would similarly enable someone trained in this science to make predictions of how a society will behave if certain conditions were met. The two axioms Selden required were the population whose behavior was modeled should be sufficiently large to represent the entire society, and two, the population should remain in ignorance of the results of application of psychohistorical analyses because if it is aware, the group changes its behavior. Now, Selden met the first criterion because he was modeling the entire galactic empire of one quintillion people. As for the second, he created a secret group called the Second Foundation to manage his plan. Now, Selden used psychohistory to first forecast that the fall of the Galactic Empire would usher in a dark age lasting 30,000 years. This is similar to what is presumed to have happened in Europe with the fall of the Western Roman Empire. 
I, I would have to say historians are starting to disagree with this characterization, uh, that the so-called Dark Ages weren't as dark as people say. But anyway, Selden's plan that he created would cut this period of Dark Age from 30,000 years down to 1,000 years. Now, he had to get the support of the emperor to put his plan into action. So he sold it as a plan to create a massive encyclopedia called Encyclopedia Galactica that would collect all human knowledge and preserve it. Now, the emperor bought this explanation and gave Selden a useless world with no natural resources on the outskirts of the galaxy. And this became the home of the Foundation, initially called the Encyclopedia Foundation. A group of scholars were collected and moved there to start work, but this was all a ruse. He really intended the Foundation to be the nucleus of the next galactic empire, and a world with no natural resources was part of his plan. Now. I remember how back in the 1960s, Japan was preeminent in the miniaturization of technology and consumer products. And one of the reasons for this is that Japan is lacking in almost all natural resources. And of course, this was also one of the main factors leading to World War II in Asia. So the stories in Foundation looked at how the Foundation would be pushed in certain directions that would lead to this eventual empire. But of course, an invisible hand guiding destiny only gets you so far. To keep up interest in the stories, there has to be conflict. In Foundation and Empire, the second volume, the first conflict is with the old empire in the person of a general named Bel Rios, who starts thinking something odd is going on with the Foundation. Now, this name is a clue to Asimov's reading of history. There was a Byzantine general named Belisarius who was doing well reconquering the western parts of the old Roman Empire until the Byzantine Empire, Byzantine Emperor got concerned about such a successful general and recalled him because, you know, a successful general could decide, hey, maybe I should be emperor. So you never wanted that to happen. Um, now, in this book, that's exactly the way it played out. Belrios is eventually recalled by the emperor, and it turns out Selden had predicted the whole thing. Then something Selden did not predict happens in the form of the mule, a mutant who has the capability of affecting people's emotions and thinking. He creates his own empire at the expense of the foundation which he absorbed. Now, in the third volume of the trilogy, called Second Foundation, the mule is defeated by the Second Foundation, the hitherto secret organization that Selden had set up to monitor his plans. But this means that the second of Selden's axioms is now violated. So in the last story, the foundation, now aware and feeling like they are the puppets, goes in search of the second foundation to perhaps destroy it, or at least destroy its power over them. They are ultimately thwarted by the second foundation, which means that the Selden plan can be put back on track. 
Now, Selden was wise enough to foresee that no plan set up could run for a thousand years without needing course corrections. So he had set up the second foundation as a group of psychohistorians specifically to monitor and course correct. Now, Asimov temporarily stopped writing fiction as a result of the Sputnik satellite, which you may recall was launched in 1957 and created a bit of a panic in the United States. Uh, he goes, oh my God, the Ruskies are ahead of us. Uh, Asimov's response was that he could do more useful work by writing about science and being an educator, and he did that extensively. Um, he, he wrote a lot, okay? We're, we're talking about someone who I believe was up around 500 books that he had written and gotten published. And at one point, I think I had 200 of them. Um, and so I was as much a fan of his science writing as I was of his science fiction. But in 1982, he returned to the Foundation universe with a novel called Foundation's Edge. Uh, this picks up a bit later, when the Selden plan seems to be back on track, but this suggests to summon the Foundation that maybe the second Foundation was not wiped out and is back pulling strings. So, a man named Golan Treviz is sent out to look for it. He thinks it may be connected to a mythical planet named Earth that appears in no database, but somehow appears in myths and legends. Meanwhile, on the second foundation, they find evidence of a group of advanced mentalics who may be more powerful than the second foundation. This turns out to be a planet called Gaia, where every organism is part of a common mind. And they have been manipulating all the other players. But they need Golan Trevis to make a decision for them as to who should guide the galaxy. He decides in favor of Gaia. Then in the next novel, uh, Foundation and Earth, which was published in 1986, Treviz wants to find out why he decided in favor of Gaia and goes in search again of the mythical Earth. He has adventures along the way, eventually meeting up with an intelligent robot who was behind both Harry Selden and Gaia. In the end, Treviz decides the reason he picked Gaia was that it would be the best protection against a potential alien race from a different galaxy, something our galaxy had never experienced. Now, at this point, Asimov could not see any path forward. He seemed to have written himself into a corner. Uh, so he went back to the early days of Harry Selden in a novel called Prelude, to Foundation, published in 1988. Now this tells the story of how Harry Selden first came to the imperial capital of Trantor and how he developed psychohistory. Uh, it turns out Trantor was a pretty good place to research since it had so many different groups and cultures. And in this book, Selden meets and is pushed by the same robot we saw at the end of the previous book. It is interesting to see Selden as a young man instead of the aged sage of Foundation. Finally, Forward the Foundation, uh, 1993, was published posthumously, and it covered the period between Prelude to Foundation 
and foundation. Um, so it looks at how Selden was developing, finished developing his psychohistory, putting together his organization and making his plans, you know, now that he had an idea of how psychohistory would work. Then, after Asimov's death, his widow Janet and the Asimov estate authorized three science fiction authors, sometimes referred to as the Killer Bees, because their names all begin with the letter B, to do a trilogy that is roughly contemporaneous with Forward the Foundation. Now, they were Gregory Benford, who wrote Foundation's Fear in 1997, Greg Baer, who wrote Foundation and Chaos, 1998, and David Brin with Foundation's Triumph, 1999. Now, other media. Um, Foundation has been done as an audio series by the BBC. This consisted of eight hour-long episodes with minor changes to the written stories. Uh, and you can get the audio, audio files there at archive.org. There is a link in the show notes. Uh, then in 2021, Apple TV released a television series that is pretty good. The casting did make major changes from what Asimov wrote, since nearly every character that Asimov wrote was a man. And it is hard to believe that many millennia into the future that would be the case. Uh, but it has received good reviews. Asimov's daughter, Robin, is one of the executive producers, so it can be considered reasonably authorized. Now, right now, it's not available on DVD, but when it is, I do plan to get it. And finally, we talk about a pretty interesting award. In 1966, the Foundation series was given a Hugo Award as the best series of all time. And it beat out such notable series as the Barsoom series by Edgar Rice Burroughs, the Future History series by Robert A. Heinlein, the Lensman series by Edward E. Doc Smith, and the Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. And you know, it's entirely possible that I will talk about all of them before I am done, because there's some really good stuff in there, too. But for now, this is Ahuka for Hacker Public Radio, signing off, and as always, encouraging you to support free software. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.